And we're live, the inaugural Bitcoin Season 2 podcast, joined by Colin Harper of Hashrate Index. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Will. Happy to be here, man. Super stoked to uh, see this pod get off the ground. A great name, by the way. Bitcoin Season 2. And we are just ripping it shamelessly from people who have been talking about Bitcoin Season 2 for a little bit. And, you know, there could even be another podcast out there called Bitcoin Season 2, but we're just going to run with it. So apologies to anyone out there who's upset about it. Will's a Zoomer, so he needs to have the Fortnite plug. <laughs> where was the Fortnite plug? That That's that's where the season two comes from. It's like, oh, it's true. Yeah, like all the, I'm pretty sure it's like Fortnite and all of the Battle Royales, or at least Fortnite, you know, when they would do a new release, it'd be like Fortnite season two, Fortnite season three. Like even I think Warzone did that too for Call of Duty. I, I fell down that 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 rabbit hole of, of uh, yeah, first person shooter battle royales for for a little while there, and it was dark. But it was also super fun. Hey man, that's what we're doing here, man. That iterated on back. first person shooter, and this is uh, we're iterating on the uh, Bitcoin tech culture news podcast. Yeah, we already got a first comment, Charlie Spears. Yo, what's Hello, going Charlie. on, Charlie? Thanks for watching with us, Charlie. No, Chuck. Okay, for those who just piped in and are taking a look on our YouTube channel or on Twitter, and we'll probably put this on our podcast feed later once I decide to get that up, is Bitcoin season two. So we're talking about all things in Bitcoin that are actually happening now. So Bitcoin's been known for being, you know, the ossified chain, the dead chain, the chain, the yeah, the boomer coin. The devs aren't allowed to be here. All the devs went to the other chains. Well, that's not the case anymore. Okay, so we're kind of riffing a little bit on what BitGod is doing with his show. Uh, Ordinals are dead. Similar concept here, but we're widening the scope a little bit and talking more or less what's been in Colin and Mind's past, which is like Bitcoin tech reporting. So today we're going to talk about Opcat and OpCTV, which Colin is working on a piece for Hashrate Index. So shout out to Hashrate Index for supplying the research today. Go check them out. Colin, I'll hand it over to you. Any other thoughts before we jump in? Any other yeah, just to Bitcoin season two? Um, yeah, just kind of the whole um, ethos, I think, about around Bitcoin season two, just to echo what you were saying, that really was the, you know, the kind of narrative last bull market. All the activity was going on on other chains. Ethereum had proof of stake coming up. Solana was ripping. There were all of these other layer ones that were popping up and challenging what a public blockchain was used for probably the most uh, exciting use cases for most people were things like yield farming and DeFi and also NFTs. And now I think as we emerge out of the last bear market after the FTX fallout, the big catalyst, whether some people like it or not, has been ordinals and inscriptions on Bitcoin in terms of refocusing the narrative towards Bitcoin being an innovative chain and one that is a playground for building things on, right? I think Bitcoin lost a lot of that narrative. A lot of the things that people have been building over the last, you know, call it six, seven, eight years, things like Lightning or certain side chains did not see the same commercial and, and retail adoption that we're seeing from things like inscriptions and ordinals. Lightning's probably uh, the exception to that, but it's still a big Lightning fan. It's got its problems. There are definitely some things that we need to work on to make it better. But overall, I think like Lightning is probably arguably the most successful you know, kind of secondary application on top of Bitcoin. And now we're kind of seeing, for better or worse, depending on who you talk to, inscriptions kind of come to the fore. And that kind of leads us into what we're seeing right now with kind of, I wouldn't call it an emerging, it kind of is an emerging debate among more like 
uh, technical circles, but OpCat versus OpCTV. And that's what my upcoming blog series for Hashrate Index looks at. It, it kind of gives a brief overview of what OpCat does and what OpCTV does, and kind of looks at the technical specifications for both, what we could unlock with them. And also, I'm, I'm going to do this in a third one uh, next week. The, the first two articles of like just both of the uh, improvements alone, I'll, I'll do one on OpCat and one on OpCTV. Then I'm going to do an article of what's the difference, um, not really answering which one's better, uh, because I don't really want to have too hard of an opinion on that. I do have an opinion um, from what I've done so far, but um, basically three article series looking at those different uh, Bitcoin improvement. Uh, well, uh, CTV is a BIP 119. OpCat currently does not have a Bitcoin improvement proposal, but but it has an NFT collection, which is arguably more important in this day and age, Colin. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I have a lot of thoughts on that too, just regarding um, kind of incipient degen marketing. Uh, can, I'm sharing my screen right now. I think uh, that should be showing on the stream. So this is what Will's referring to. For those who haven't seen, it's Quantum Cats. It's the second inscription series from Taproot Wizards. Uh, their first inscription series being eponymous with their name uh and uh this is the startup by udi wertheimer and eric how do they Wall. get so many twitter followers so fast Twenty twenty four thousand twitter followers it's because uh udi's a, a Mossad agent that's why because he's got he's got inside inside links to the state and he knows can, someone uh... inside <laughs> but uh to will's point you know no one was really at least in the wider bitcoin ecosystem was talking about opcat which, for those who don't know, was actually an opcode that was originally included in Bitcoin, but Satoshi deactivated it in 2010 because it would have allowed basically an exponential um, kind of an exponential uh, kind of uh, I don't even know how to describe this. Basically, it would allowed you to use the opcode to push data exponentially on a stack onto the blockchain, and then you could create a denial of service vector uh, that would you know, uh, kind of stall Bitcoin and uh, keep blocks from propagating uh, at their normal pace. So uh, Satoshi deactivated in 2010, and it's only now starting to come back in the fore. Part of it is because this has been a pretty successful marketing campaign from the, uh, you know, the cats, the, the, the cats, the taproot wizard team. And the idea here is they're releasing an inscription series of 3000 cats. The mint will be next week. And the idea here is to try to not only sell a successful inscription series, but also jumpstart technical discussion for OpCat. So, and Love it's it. and it's uh, just to kind of show how the mimetic warfare is playing out here. It's actually created a separate. I don't know if this is even an inscription series yet. Charlie would probably could tell me whether or not I'm wrong, but. Proponents of OpCTV have started changing their profile pictures to Ruben sandwiches in honor of Jeremy Rubin, who is the Bitcoin core developer. Who, the Rubens Rubin. The Rubens Rubin, who who wrote the technical specifications for OpCTV. This is Shinobi, um, a well-known, uh, sometimes curmudgeonly commentator in the Bitcoin space. Shout out to Shinobi. Uh, did a lot, looked at a lot of his writing for Bitcoin Magazine and elsewhere for my research. Uh, he's he's got a pretty sharp technical mind and explaining Bitcoin concepts uh, on a very basic level for the rest of us who aren't developers. Anyway, so a lot of CTV proponents have been changing their profile pictures to Rubens in support of Jeremy Rubin. 
So it's been an interesting kind of, uh, you know, mimetic tug of war here because you had the Taproot Wizards guys come out with OpCat pushing for OpCat, which does almost pound for pound anything that CTP can do and vice versa. There are definitely some differences there. Uh, I, I don't know enough about all the technical applications to speak to where the short, uh, you know, at least at this point in my research to speak to what can be done by one over the other and where the blind spots are. But, you know, uh, basically, this is a response from the CTV crowd saying, OK, you're going to have all of these, you know, stupid little cats that you're selling in an inscription series. We're going to fight back with some profile pictures showing our support for CTV, which, uh, like I said, I kind of have an opinion here. I'm more in the camp. I would like to see CTV activated before before OpCat. But. OK, so we got the two lines of discussion out there and then let's go through them a little more in depth. Um, and for those who just joined in the show, we'll have a podcast version of this at some point, probably next week. And then we'll be pushing some of the more technical conversations uh, that we do on block space to that channel. So we'll have Chainway coming up soon here. Uh, probably get like Alchemia on the show at some point. Like, So definitely not to pigeonhole ourselves, but it's more of a technical show. Uh, so if you're into that, this is the place for it because it's Bitcoin season two. And we can actually talk about dev stuff now, which is kind of nice. I want to go through OPC TV a little bit more. And this is the idea that we can have covenants on top of Bitcoin. Uh, the covenants here are pretty restrictive. They're deterministic. It's like if I want a coin to go from wallet A to wallet B, I have this pathway. It's predefined. It's pretty safe. Um, and for the most part, covenants are used for things like wills, like making sure that Bitcoin goes to someone when you want it to be there. But it's not really a scaling technique as far as I understand it, Colin. Um, it's kind of a, so it's, I would say the primary application at least from my understanding is for, you know, custody and, uh, like you said, covenants and also certain types of vaults. Uh, but there are certain scaling benefits from op CTV as well, uh, that we can kind of get into in a bit. One of them, for instance, is, uh, it, it creates the ability to share a single UTXO amongst multiple users. And so that has certain scaling benefits. It also allows for uh, us to do certain things with Lightning that we can't do right now, or at least if we can do them, we can't do them very eloquently, um, such as channel factories or um, non-interactive channel openings and closes. So to build on what Will was saying there, uh, yeah, check template verify is a way to create certain spending conditions on a UTXO that you can't do right now in a way that doesn't require, you know, basically oversight or trust between certain parties. So CTV can basically stand in as a more trustless and a more technically secure way to uh, create functions that pre-signed or partially signed Bitcoin transactions currently do. So, you know, you use a partially signed Bitcoin transaction to set up something like a lightning channel on a two to two multi-sig. Or, you know, most people probably know partially signed Bitcoin transactions when they use their cold wallet, or their hardware wallet to sign a transaction so that you don't have to reveal your private key to an internet connected device, right? You sign part of the transaction on your hardware wallet and you push the rest of it to the Bitcoin network through your laptop or through a phone. So what CTV does and how it accomplishes a similar function as partially signed Bitcoin transactions is you basically create a hash of certain conditions, kind of like Will said. Maybe those conditions are you can only spend X amount of funds to X address. So let's say you can only spend one Bitcoin to address A, B, C, D, E, F, right? 
and you take a hash of that and you lock it into the locking script or you include it in with a locking script of that transaction for those UTXOs. And then when those UTXOs are then signed to be unlocked, it can only, the uh, transaction can only be valid if those conditions in the, in the hash that is in the locking script are met. And so you can kind of see how this would be uh, definitely beneficial for you know cold storage or for certain um, custodial uh, solutions, right? This also gives us the ability to create uh, certain uh, custodial solutions called vaults, which are a type of covenant which can improve user security and things like that. So you know, basic rundown for how this improves custody is you can create covenants with these, which are like Will said at the beginning are basically certain predefined spending conditions. And then vaults are a type of covenant that could improve security even more by basically saying, if someone tries to spend your Bitcoin, you either can't do it or you get an alert that it's happening and then you can change the spending condition to get sweep it to a wallet that you control. So um, that's kind of the basic rundown and how it can help custody. This is the uh, GitHub with BIP119. Uh, there's more information here. Some of it's, you know, kind of in the technical weeds. Uh, I definitely recommend looking at some of Shinobi's articles on Bitcoin Magazine. He's got some good breakdowns of exactly what this means. Um, but in terms of other applications, and then we can move on to OpCat, Will. Let me share my screen to a, another uh, of Jeremy Rubin's. And while there you're pulling go. that one up, Jeremy Rubin's saying BIP119 uh definitely caused a lot of headaches in 2020 2022 time frame uh and i tell everyone to go watch the hell money podcast with casey roadmore and aaron i forget her last name is had jeremy on recently and he kind of details what happened in that situation where he was like trying to push forward right this idea of a bitcoin season two like a bitcoin with a dev culture and it just kept getting shot down over and over again and hearing his side of the story was really fascinating um so definitely go check out that podcast call i'll hand it back over to you yeah that's a good point um it's good to understand that you know what we're really talking about with all these technical upgrades i think people when they like this taproot was a good example of this people look at bitcoin's upgrades and think there's a clear path forward to do x y and z with bitcoin but a lot of it is very political and a lot of it is also just it's social consensus right because bitcoin doesn't have any leaders it's not like when you're updating you know, your your iPhone or you're updating your OS on your computer. There's no single party making these decisions. So for the entire dev community to kind of rally around an upgrade takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of convincing, takes a lot of code review. And honestly, it's, it's more than just a full-time job to create the code. It's also a full-time job to lobby for what code you want to see pushed forward on the Bitcoin stack. And like Will was saying, Jeremy got really, um, you know, fatigued from this campaign to push uh, CTV. A lot of people saw his push as kind of almost like bad actor behavior. They didn't like that a dev who created this thing was pushing for it. And um, he ended up actually leaving Bitcoin core development for about a year, uh, longer than a year there after, uh, after all of this kind of fell through the floor and CTV was basically um, bike shedded was probably not the right term because we're talking about it again, but it was definitely put to the side because people didn't want to activate it. Um, but just to go back to some of the other use cases, you know, uh, Will, you talked about scaling. Uh, there are implications for OpCTV for things like drive chains, 
these are the batch channels, the channel factories for lightning, like I was telling you about. This is all on utxos.org, uh, a, a website maintained by Jeremy Rubin. Non-interactive channels, which basically through the CTV, you know, spending conditions function allows you to fund a lightning transaction and exit it without both parties being present. Um, and a few other things. There are also things for um, uh, payment pools for Bitcoin mining. And there are the vaults that we were talking about. And so there are some things that can be used for scaling. Like I said, you can have multiple parties share a single UTXO. I'm not like totally sure how that works. So I don't want to spend uh, say anything out of turn. But just thinking about it conceptually, you have every party spending, uh, you know, sharing a certain UTXO, but only certain portions of that UTXO can be committed to certain addresses. You can see how, you know, you could basically have a more uh, trustless kind of uh, collaborative custody over Bitcoin, right? Because all of the rules for the spending conditions for future transactions are published in a hash within the, uh, you know, the locking script of the previous transaction. So whenever you try to spend it, it has to meet those conditions and it's literally enforced by consensus. Whereas right now, you know, um, you basically can, you can decide who has control over a UTXO, but you can't decide, you can't enforce control over where it's being spent cryptographically through the consensus mechanisms. And that's what CTV allows. So um, super interesting. Uh, I, I would love to see some more discussion around CTV. I'm used to be kind of in the ossified camp, but I've continued to kind but of he's shift. moving. He's becoming yeah, a shit moving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all have to evolve a little bit, right? I think that's the thing about that's the thing I love about Bitcoin for me at least. It's always been a constant learning. There's always a huge learning curve for everything. And every year my takes on things are kind of evolving. And my position within the larger Bitcoin ecosystem is, is constantly shifting. So just part of me uh, adjusting my hat over here. It's really annoying me right now, but still I, don't I, really I, get inscriptions, though. Uh, we could do inscriptions. On day. We'll get, yeah, Spears. we'll get a call in season two. Oh, that's nice. Add that one. <laughs> it's true. It is call in season two. Okay, uh, one comment and then let's go to OpCat because we're going to keep these episodes somewhat shorter and we have about 10 minutes left here. But OpCTV coming back in right now, I think that's because there's been a huge push through all the inscription stuff and the money coming back into Bitcoin with ETFs to look at making Bitcoin more functional. And OpCTV was like the last thing that everyone was talking about before all these things happened, right? Before even the 2021 bull run, people were talking about OpCTV. Should we push it forward? kind of died during that. And now it's like the last proposal that probably was like the most valid, the most scrutinized and people are like, okay, this could be like something potential. That being said, there seems to be like a lot of proposals out there right now that are pretty interesting. Saw one like op transaction hash the other day. Maybe we'll get to that on another show. And then now hand it over to you for op cat. Where's my cat? Your cat is dead. I don't have a cat. Um, uh, on that note, uh, transaction hash and other things like any previous output, um, it's important to note that there are multiple different proposals kind of right now floating in the, uh, dare I say, ether of Bitcoin in the development in the mempool, in the in the collective mempool, um, the collective conscience of Bitcoin that could achieve similar things just through different means. 
like you know there are different like any previous output i'm pretty sure also um would achieve similar things with ctv and opcat with like covenants and stuff like that and bitcoin vaults and so it goes back to what i was saying earlier we're really you know, choosing which one to implement at any given time is a kind of a you know a decision tree that ends up in just one thing over another for whatever reason whether it be certain political alignments within the bitcoin ecosystem and certain arguments that were just more convincing than others um so but with regards to opcat looking at that specifically and like you said well we can cover the other ones in another episode opcat i understand a lot less um than opctv just oh on. you can't you can't say the emperor has no clothes on the show we gotta we gotta fake it here I mean, the emperor does have. I, I look if the emperor is <laughs> naked and, and flailing his member around, I'd rather just be honest about it rather than be caught with my dick out and like because you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna be caught with it out anyway. Someone's gonna see it and be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I, I do know that generally with Opcat, um, and there's a question that says, "What are the negative results of Opcat?" Um, I can't answer that in full. I do know that Opcat, at least from what I seem has seen seems to be a lot wordier than like opsy tv like it, it seems like if, if you see this uh there's a tweet from Tapworthers cto which i'm not gonna try to say his name because it's i'll just absolutely butcher it but like the code for it just looks so freaking long compared to the same thing that you would use for opsy tv so i guess like that's one thing you could say Here, here's the tweet so it's like that's that's for the opcat transaction. And then as our boy Shinobi says, that's an awful lot of effing gibberish to say 32 byte hash, which is the hash of the, you know, um the conditions for the next transaction, OpCTV. So I mean, if you want to call that a negative, that's one negative. But basically what what um opcat is, as I understand it, is it's a way to take yeah, thanks for pulling that up, Will. You basically take two values of data and you join them together or in technical parlance concatenate them and you push them to the top of a stack for a bitcoin transaction the stack is just the data that's being pushed to the blockchain and basically these two these two conjoined values say if this then that basically same thing as op ctv where in in the um in the example i just showed from the tap uh, root wizard cto he says, here is an opcat commit that says uh, 0.999 Bitcoin can only be sent to this specific address. And so you basically have the same type of guarantees as opctv. It's just a kind of different tactical implementation to make it happen. And th there are a few things that you can do with this uh, that are similar to uh, CTV. Like I said, you can get covenants from this. You can get vaults from this. And there are a few other things that are a little bit over my head technically that I don't quite understand, like what the ramifications are. As far as I can tell, it seems to be a similar way to create these certain spending conditions that would make Bitcoin, uh, that would make your Bitcoin and your storage potentially more secure. But also, as far as I can see, it seems to do it in a less elegant way than CTV. Could be wrong about that. I'm sure there are, you know, people who disagree. But it seems like CTV accomplishes the same thing with with much less code. Okay, so for the background for Opcat, you didn't say anything about that, right? Just so I'm not repeating. Um, I said it kind of at the beginning. So yeah, it was you know original. It was in the original Bitcoin code. Satoshi uh, pulled it out 
in 2010, you know, kind of nullified it. And then as one of our commentators or one, yeah, one of our uh, commentators here in the chat basically said, this is no longer an issue uh, because of tap grip, because whereas before Opcat would have theoretically allowed someone to push like an exponential amount of data to a stack. Now they can only do, I think, 520 bytes according to yeah. the tap script limits. Um, and so, and that's another thing kind of, to, I think that's important to point out, uh, you know, both of these things are, are feasible because of tap script, because of the new script of the scripting language that came, that comes with uh, uh, Taproot, and and is and is um, you know inherent to Taproot uh, addresses and and wallets and transactions. So, you know, you always have this people talking about well, and this is kind of the Taproot wizards uh, one of their arguments. You have people saying, well, we had Taproot for two years now, you know, going on three, and no one's built anything with it. Right. Like it's no. And, and part of the reason for that is because, you know, a lot of the cool things that it's going to allow us to do kind of require further upgrades. And so. I'm generally in the camp that says we should as long as they're 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 not dangerous and it doesn't seem like any of the knacks on CTV, for instance, none of them seem to be of the actual technical merit. Like a lot of the knacks when Jeremy was first trying to push for it, were kind of just like, well, we just did taproot. We don't want to move too fast. One of them is just for the soft fork progress, uh, the soft fork um, kind of upgrading process in general. Someone was saying, oh, well, we, we don't want to be too liberal with soft forks because that will create a precedent. And that's not really, you know, as Jeremy points out on his website that or in a blog post, like that's kind of like a project management question and problem. It's not really a technical problem. You know, if we want to have a conversation about how we should be pushing forward upgrades, that's another thing entirely. And that's obviously going to be a huge you know, it's always a huge problem because a lot of people didn't like speedy trial, the um, activation method that was used for taproot. And a lot of people thought that it was kind of a good way to reach consensus to make sure that there wasn't going to be a chain split when they tried to activate something. Uh, so I think that's the other thing to look out for with a lot of these uh, improvements. Sometimes people aren't even arguing, is this thing going to break Bitcoin? They're kind of arguing is activating it in general going to break Bitcoin or is the soft fork process even worth doing considering there's this kind of huge riff over, well, do we do a user activated soft fork? Do we do a minor activated soft fork? Do we do this weird hybrid thing like speedy trial where we make sure that all the miners are saying that they're going to implement it, but we also are saying if you don't, then the users are going to implement it, which is what a lot of people were kind of pushing for with Taproot if none of the miners said yes which all of them did because there's no reason for them not to. Um, anyway, I kind of went on a tangent there, but this is something that I, you know, that was like one of my last things while I was at Coindesk was was covering Taproot. It was the first time I really dug into Bitcoin consensus because I wasn't around for SegWit, right? So I, I was not a privy to any of the conversations that were going on for SegWit or No2x. And so seeing, being in the developer chats and just seeing everyone kind of duking it out over what's the right way to go about this was really eye-opening for me. Where do we see the data on what the miners are actually implementing over the years? Um, can, Captain Ahab, could you be a little more specific? Because like, there's the only way to see whether or not a miner actually approves of a certain upgrade is kind of if they have said something publicly, like through a tweet or a blog post. For speedy trial, you could specifically see whether or not they signaled based on, um, I think it was a, it was either a zero or one. I think maybe the zero was that you, I could be mixing this up, 
But you basically add um, a zero or a one to the blocks you publish. And if you added a zero, then it showed that you were for it. And if a one, then you weren't, or it was vice versa. But for speedy trial, you basically signaled with the blocks that you mined. And I think the threshold was, I think it had to be like 90% or something over a certain period. And if 90% of the blocks had signaled for Taproot, then it was going to be pushed forward as a soft fork. So um, a lot of people didn't like this because they said, well, this is just giving miners the ability to veto an upgrade or not. And I, I mean, I kind of understand that argument, but I think the you know what what that fails to really recognize is whether you like it or not, if a miner doesn't upgrade to something, there's a risk of there being a chain split if they're mining on the old consensus rules. So it's really just a way to make sure that the miners are going to be aligned with the larger ecosystem to make sure that they're going to upgrade in time so that nothing bad happens. How are they communicating to make that signal? Um, so the signal itself, so the question that's being asked is how are miners communicating to make the signal? Basically, they just add arbitrary data to their blocks to say yes or no, that they agree with Taproot. In, the, in this case, for speedy trial, they basically said, yes, I want this or no, I don't want this. And basically all of them said yes. Now, how do they communicate whether or not they're going to signal as a group? That's, you know, who, who knows? Miners definitely communicate with each other. Um, some of the bigger mining pools, you know, in years past, and this is a big concern with some people, have been known to have like, they're kind of like a cabal, like, you know, Bitmain basically owned, what was it via BTC, BTC.com and um, one, one other pool. And they had the majority of hash rate at one point. And so like what those three would do in a certain situation would basically be just one organization deciding. Uh, no. Okay. So that's a good, this is, these are good questions. Um, Let's dig it thank in you, here with us. Th yeah. Thank you, Captain Ahab. So no, that's, so this is another thing that people um, do, do his next one. Um, do, yeah. So this is another thing that people really were kind of torn over. So the mining pools are basically making this decision, right? So that's an important, that's an important uh, distinction. The mining pools are the ones who are saying yes or no to this. Now, there are things that mining pools can do to kind of, you know, uh, educate their users. And also they could, if they theoretically, they could poll their users to say, do you want this or do you not? Um, I'm kind of of the mindset just after working in the mining industry for almost three years at Luxor, most miners don't give a shit. Like most miners really are is like a lot of them are some like the guys with the most petahash are like some some boomer who's like, you know, son or daughter told them about Bitcoin. They plowed a bunch of money into some rigs and they decided to host them somewhere. They got a business partner or they're at one of these big pub co's and they decided to jump on this on this train because they saw an opportunity. Most of them don't know anything about a lot of these technical developments. And if you told them, hey, this will make Bitcoin better and there's not really much risk, they would probably just say, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, I think this also goes for a lot of Bitcoiners in general. They don't really have the interest, the time or the aptitude to totally evaluate everything 100 percent. And so, you know, they often just latch on to their favorite influencer. And that's kind of where they make their decisions on whether or not they support the next big thing or whatever. Uh, but Captain Ahab, those are all really good questions. I think this questions. gets into. We, we should have a, just a show about consensus, honestly, for softworks because it's it's a topic that I think a lot of people don't 
they think they understand it and they think they understand all the actors at play and all of the incentives and all of the different arguments for this or that, or even just the mechanisms, but it's so complicated. And, you know, with speedy trial, it really blew a lot of those questions that you just prompted us on out of the, out of the water saying, well, hang on, if miners are doing it, it's not actually the miners, it's the mining pool. And that opens up a whole other questions about just how we can uh, kind of, you know, break away from the mining pool model which that's a black pill for another time. I don't think we're ever getting away from it. Just to wrap up OpCat, uh, since we went down a, a different alley, if you will, here. The Tapper Wizards are pushing OpCat pretty heavily. It looks like OpCat might be able to uh, go live. And if it did go live, we'd have the developers for like a roll-up or something like that. And that's what a lot of teams, a lot of VCs right now are looking at. Hey, can we have a layer two on top of Bitcoin that's not lightning and OpCat might be the way to do that because it allows for uh, more expressivity in terms of putting data on chain. And it doesn't seem to be that much of a downside as of right now, because there's that limited tap script with how much data. So back in the Satoshi days, you know, you could just attack Bitcoin with a DDoS by putting so much data on chain, but with tap script uh, that can't happen anymore, or at least that's the idea probably needs to like, you know, continue to be vetted but we might be able to have some sort of layer two on top of Bitcoin that is not just lightning. Maybe in a future show here in the next few weeks, Colin and I will talk about lightning. There's been a lot of criticisms of it lately, obviously, especially with fees going up and with inscriptions. So we can get to that. Uh, I see Captain Ahab throwing some more questions in there like BitVM, things like that. This is a good show to follow for that because we're going to do all that. We'll uh, try to get Robin on the show and we'll definitely be getting teams like... Also depends on what your definition of a layer two is. Some people don't consider... You know things like rootstock or liquid layer twos because they yeah. require you know trusted custodial, yeah. um, you know I kind would, of a federation of key signers. So why does I'm no not... one go after Bitmain for mining against its own customers, artificially raising the difficulty? A lot of people did actually in 2016, and they still do. It's a thing right now. Yeah, but go check out the mining pod if you want to talk about that. <laughs> Will's it's like you can't get Colin on another roll. He'll just keep <laughs> running his mouth. Yeah, we gotta we gotta close up shop here. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Bitcoin season two, welcome to the show. This is the first one, you know, we're just kind of winging it right now. So this is a live stream we put together and we will be putting together a podcast feed for this and probably doing episodes, trying for once a week. And then we'll throw some interviews in here with some of the Bitcoin season two folk that are out there. If you want to come on the show or you have guest ideas, or if you have topic ideas, give us an email, William at blockspace.media or just you know, hit me up in the Twitter DMS. You can also do that. We also, want to become the, the 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 best tech podcast for Bitcoin right now. Also, if you have any debates that you would like to see about certain topics, that is something that I'm really interested in curating because I think that there's not there's not there are not enough platforms for open debates in Bitcoin, and I think that would answer a lot of people's questions. Awesome. Okay, Jet Charlie's got us. He's throwing the link in the chat below i didn't know you could put like an actual link in the chat i thought they like didn't allow that Are you kidding me boomer blockspace.media <laughs> the youtube channels there you can see the mining pod on there the gort show probably get some more shows on there as well in the future some more like bottom-up podcasts from some of the better voices out there that have not been platformed okay we're gonna close out Colin. anything else no that's it man appreciate uh having me on for the inaugural bitcoin yeah, season two it's... podcast appreciate the lively comment chat on our first episode guys that was awesome really appreciate the questions 
Hope you all have a beautiful week. It's great. It's good stuff. We're going to put some music as we kind of tune out here. Goodbye. Deuces, y'all. <laughs>